Well, I'm excited about this series the Lord has given me, and I've entitled it Generosity. Generosity. So we're now leading up to Christmas, we're going to be talking about generosity, and we're starting off with the generosity of God. Our God is a generous God. Did you know that? Our God is a generous God. He's a good God. The Bible says all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of life. There's nothing that's good that has come into your life that it didn't come by way of God. He may have used a man, he may have used a woman, may have used a program, may have used some uh, company or, or whatever, but let me tell you what, all good and perfect gifts come from God. He's a good, good God. Hallelujah. And He is a God of generosity. I'm telling you, if there's any generous nature that you see in this world today, it's surely not from that, from that thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The goodness and generosity you experience in your life doesn't come from the enemy. I can promise you that. So then it comes from God. He is a generous, generous God. And He shows us in His Word just His heart, His desire, His plan, His creative order for us. And that's what I want us to look at. I want to get our theology of generosity correct. Okay, I want us to get our theology of generosity correct. In this series, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is going to use the Word of God and it's going to bring forth the revelation and illumination in such a way that our faith is going to take hold of it and actually go to a whole nother level. We study in the Scripture as we look in the New Testament, and we find that there are five places that the Bible says that this is above all things, above all things. So when God tells us that these things are above all things, it seems like to me He is drawing our attention to them, saying they're very, very important. They are very, very crucial. They are a key part of how I have created the, the world to work. And I want us to look at those this morning as we delve into this series of generosity. First and foremost, thanking God for His goodness, thanking God for His provision. I don't see not one person in here looks like you've missed a meal. And that said, with love and kindness, I'm, I promise you, we are none of us starving to death. None of us had to dig into a trash can or a dumpster last night to try and find food. We can truly say our God is a good God. He has taken good care of us. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, give him a hand. He's a, he's a good God. Praise the Lord. So if you would turn in your Bibles this morning into the New Testament, uh, 3 John, as we're going to look at 3 John 2, 3 John 2, verse 2 there. And uh, what we're looking at is the writings of the disciple John, the apostle John, who was one of the disciples that followed Jesus, that was taught by Jesus. We see many, many occasions in the Bible called a son of thunder. We see John there seated at the right hand of Jesus. He is there, uh, the, love, the one that Jesus loved, the Bible talks about. Uh, we see that John stood with Jesus when nobody else did, when Jesus was uh, being betrayed. Everybody else left him, but John was there. We see at the cross there was no other disciple except John there. So much that Jesus even uh, gave his mother, Mary, into the care of John as he spoke from the cross. We know that John went on to serve God. He took care of Mary, I'm sure. And as he served the Lord as an apostle, the Lord used him to write the book of John, the gospel of John. We also see that he wrote 1, 2, and 3 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. But we also see he wrote the book of Revelation. It was John that, that Jesus who... There was John when Jesus was serving. There was John 
there when Jesus was being crucified. There was John there when Jesus was resurrected and walking on the earth for those 40 days. And there was John, the Bible tells us, there in heaven. He even got to go up to heaven before he died and see uh, Jesus there. And Jesus gave him some letters, and John did dictation. He wrote those letters down. And uh, he took them back to the seven local churches that Jesus had told him to do. So here is John serving God all these years. He is an aged man. He's an aged apostle. He was one that would not deny the Lord. He would not so much so that when they threatened him death, he would not turn his back on God. They, the, the tradition says he was boiled in oil, hot oil, and then he was cast and ostracized on the Isle of Patmos. And the Bible says it was there on the Isle of Patmos that uh, he was taken up into the third heaven and he got to see heaven and he writes the book of Revelation and he writes those seven letters in Revelation 3 that go back to the seven local churches when he, when he uh, is rescued or, or, or delivered off of that island. So here he is now. They say this is his last of writing, one of the last letters he wrote as an elderly, uh, uh, you might would say elder of the Lord, apostle of the Lord. And he's just like, I've been, he's like, I've been around the block. I've been around the block. And let me just tell you the basics here. And he's, it's a very short uh, letter, but it gets right to the point. And in it, in this one verse, he tells us there are three things that are above all that we need to pay attention to. And this is the heart of God. So he's praying the heart of God. Remember, it was John was one of the disciples that was there with Jesus when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Remember that? And Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. He says, you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus taught them to pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to this earth and the will of God in heaven would come to this earth. That's how you pray. And here's John praying as an elderly, faithful apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know he's praying in alignment with how he was taught that the will of God and the kingdom power of God would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And here's how he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Say in all things. Come on, say in all things. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Do you see that? Just as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. So we see a threefold blessing that he is praying for here as he's praying the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. And he says, above all things, I cut through the chatter, I cut through all of the, the noise of life, and I'm going to get right down in my prayer as an elderly man, and I'm going to hit the points that God has taught me. I am praying that above all things, that you would prosper in all things. You would prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. So he wants you to prosper in all things. Hallelujah. He also wants you to be in health. Say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And he also wants your soul to prosper. He wants that which is of you that is not seen, but yet can even be connected to your eternity. He wants you to prosper in all areas, materially, physically, and all spiritual blessings. Now, that's a good God. 
That's a good God who wants you to prosper in all those areas. Some people say, well, you know, with the theology of prosperity, I don't believe in the theology of prosperity. I don't believe in the doctrine of prosperity. Why? You got it right here in the Word of God. That, I mean, why would you be against it? Well, there's some that went and they got into greed. So just because some messed up, you're going to get away from the truth? You're going to let the devil steal the truth from you because somebody stepped outside the boundaries of the truth? I say the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you step outside the boundaries of the truth that God wants you to prosper, you're stepping into poverty. You're stepping in where he's stealing and killing and destroying in your life. But God wants you blessed. Did you know that? He's a generous God. And yes, there are those that have gone to the extreme on prosperity, and we are not preaching that. You don't need a Learjet to fly you from Virginia Beach to Chesapeake, okay? You don't need that. You don't need 37 uh, carat diamonds hanging around your neck to prove anything. Now, and if God blesses you with that many diamonds, I wouldn't uh, advise you to wear them all at the same time because it's definitely going to target you for the thief, okay? But, you know, that, that the extreme is not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical prosperity. This word prosper in, in the concordance, uh, which is Strong's Concordance, is a lexicon. It's a Greek dictionary uh, for G2137 for you theologians. Well, you can write that down in your notes and go check it out. It means to have help on one's way. That God wants you above all things. He wants you to prosper above all things. He wants you to have help on your life's journey. He wants you to have a successful journey. He wants you to prosper. Now, to me, why in the world would we be against a God who wants that for you? He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to get into a place where you're bound and you're destroyed and your life is going down rather than up. He doesn't want you to be imprisoned. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He wants you to have success in life's journey. He wants your life to be a blessing. Do you know what the Word of God says about you? That you and I... We are oaks of righteousness, a planting of God. Now, this is God. The Bible says this is what God did. You and I are oaks of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of His splendor, for the display of His favor. Now, we're going to be coming in here on Thursday and they'll be taking trees and they'll be setting them up and they'll be displaying on those trees lights and displaying uh, all these... Uh, ornaments and all these decorations and maybe some flowers and maybe some stars and maybe some angels that's been uh, set up that's got kids' names on it and their sizes and gender and so forth so that you can uh, buy the gifts for them, those hundred kids that we're going to be blessing. Uh, this, uh, the unfortunate kids are going to get blessed. They're going to be fortunately blessed by you. Uh, th- so these trees, when you first set them up, they don't look that good. But they're there as the skeleton, you might would say. They're there as the base so that we can display all of this beautiful stuff on him. Well, that's what the Bible says, that you and I are oaks of righteousness, a planting of God. Our life is here, and we're here on purpose. And one of the purposes is that God can display his favor on your life. He wants to show the world how generous he is by how he blesses you. He wants the world to know how good he is by his goodness on your life. He wants the world to know that the favor of heaven is manifested here on earth as they see the favor of God on your earth, on your life. How many of you say, I'll be a tree for the Lord? I'll be a tree for the Lord. Amen. So that's a good biblical definition of prosperity is having all your need, all of that you need with sufficient leftover to give wherever God directs. 
The Bible says he's not El just get me by or El cheap by or cheapo. He is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Now, you know what El Shaddai means? He's the God of more than enough. He's the God that can take a little boy's lunch and when he touches it, feed fifteen to 20,000 people and still have 12 basketfuls left over. He's the God of more than enough. I'm here to tell you He's God of more than enough even today and He wants to bless your life so that your needs are met according to His riches and glory. But there's also overflow. There's overflow. He said that this is a good man. will leave an inheritance to his children and his children's children and have enough to help those that are less fortunate. Hallelujah. I love the heart of God that he wants us so blessed that we are blessed to be a blessing, that the blessing is greater than we even know what to do with it, that we have to ask him, God, what do you want me to do with this? I've given the tithe unto your storehouse, Lord God, and now there's offerings here. What do you want me to do with this offering here? I love all the flags that are hanging here in this sanctuary as they represent the nations that we have missions and that we have benevolence outreaches and that we are helping the orphans and that we're helping the widows. And every one of those are hanging up here. We've had an involvement and have an involvement in seeing the kingdom of God and His generosity come to those that are less fortunate than we are. But not only these flags, but here, the flag, the United States of America that we pour into our own community and we pour into the communities and the state and the states of this nation here. Let me tell you what, a church our size is doing miraculous work around the world and it's not because you and I are that smart. It's because we serve a generous God who is El Shaddai, who has blessed us so tremendously that He has met our need and then there is overflow and we're asking Him what to do with it. Hallelujah. Yes, give yourselves a big hand because you have, for 25 years, you have blessed multitudes, tens and hundreds of thousands of people around the world. To God be the glory. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, we find uh, this very scripture gives us this understanding of prosperity, that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Not just enough to get by, but an abundance for every good work. God is a God of generosity. Hallelujah. He does not want you to be poor. He does not want you to be unable to survive in this life. The devil has lied to you in the name of God. He has lied to you in the name of Christianity. And I'm here to say, let's debunk the lie and let's embrace the truth that above all things, God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God. It is He who does what? Gives you the power to get wealth. Some people say, Why do we worship God with the tithes and the offerings? Because of this right here. Because if we were left on our own, we would be so dumbed down and we would be so unable and we would be so weak and we would be so... The right door would never be open and the wrong door would always be open and we would be living miserable lives. But we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse as God has commanded. And he says, test me in this and see that I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you that you cannot even contain. And see that I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. Hallelujah. So it is God who gives us power to get wealth. Why? Why does he do it? 
just so that you can look like a glittering rich person? No! That is, that is that extreme teaching. It's so that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Hallelujah. Now I'm here to tell you, God is interested in your individual struggle. I could ask you this morning, does anybody have an individual struggle? And I guarantee you we'd all probably have to raise our hand. God is interested in your individual struggle. But he also has a deeper and a more profound purpose for blessing you. It's not just that immediate struggle that you have, but it's also that you can overcome that and have an abundance so that the gospel might go to the four corners of the earth, that his covenant might be established in this earth. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shall one day cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. When I look out at the sea, I don't see an island. I, I mean, I don't see uh, uh, mounds of dirt popping up around as I look out over the Atlantic Ocean. I just see water covering everything. Well, the Bible says that's how the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. You're going to see glory. You're going to see it in all 50 states of the United States. You're going to see it in all of the, all of the countries. Those that are in the European nations and those that are in third world countries, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. Why? Because there was folks like those folks at Christian Embassy who said, you know what? Our purpose, yes, has an immediate struggle that God has overcome, helping us overcome, but we're also investing in kingdom work. We're investing in taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who have never heard the Bible says, until everyone has an opportunity to hear the gospel, Jesus cannot come back. But the Bible says Jesus is coming back. That means the gospel message is going to go around the world. I want to commend you for allowing the blessings of God and the favor of God and the generosity of God to flow through you in helping us take the gospel around the world. But as we take it around the world, we can't neglect the very world we live in either. And we must uh, be a demonstration in our community, a demonstration in in our state and in our nation that the love of Jesus and the light of the gospel message and the hope that comes through Christ in and through His Spirit is alive and well even here in the United States of America. Amen. So He gives you and He gives me the power to get well. See, you thought you were all that and then some. You really did. And I did. We all thought we were this. We thought we were all that and then some. But God says, you really haven't accomplished anything had my hand not been upon you. I'm the one who gave you the power to get well. The devil gives you the power to live in poverty. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've given you the power to get well. And the reason I've done it is so that you can be a part of helping me establish my covenant, saith the Lord. So our purpose for prospering is, yes, there's an individual uh, a purpose, but there's a global purpose as well. His covenant, the Bible says, is that all the families of the earth might be blessed through Abraham's seed. And Abraham's seed was pointing to the Messiah, the Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the world needs to be blessed through Jesus Christ. So you and I get to be a part of that. Isn't that great? Isn't it awesome to be a part of the fulfillment of God's plan here on earth? So 3 John 2 again says, I pray above all things, all things that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the second thing we want to look at is God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be healthy. Somebody say amen. I received that. 
I'm telling you, there's bad theology out there. And what you believe is what you will exercise faith to receive from. And if you don't believe that God wants you to be in health, then you will not have faith to receive that, that health that He has for you. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And it's time the church wake up and say, wait a minute, I'm going to align myself with God's Word. Not the twisting of God's Word, as Satan is very good at doing, but what God's Word says. Did you know Jesus took on the curse of poverty and He took on the curse of the law so that you and I might be blessed? Did you know that? Going back to the prosperity, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 28 and 48 that Jesus, what does it say? He's, here's, here's the curse. He says, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. In other words, when you, in the Old Testament, when you violated the will of God and you came against God, God would open the doors and let the enemy come in and, and, and try to bring you what the enemy brings you so that it would sober you up to see, wait a minute, I need to turn back to God. So he says, the Lord would send against you, what? In hunger and thirst and in nakedness and need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Let me tell you what. God was serious. He said, my righteousness is serious. And if you're going to violate the covenant, you're going to violate my word. He said, it's going to open the door for the curse. And the devil's going to come in. He's going to kill, steal, and destroy. So now we get into the New Testament. And what do we find? Look at those four things up there. We see something that's familiar. Wait a minute. Jesus had not eaten for at least 24 hours when he's hanging on the cross. We know he was hungry. We know that he said with his own mouth, I thirst. Did he not? From the cross. I thirst. Why was that recorded? God is showing us something. That Jesus is taking on this curse head on. He's trying to reverse the curse for you and me. The Bible tells us he was hanging there naked. Why would it say that? And his clothes were being gambled upon by the, the very soldiers there. The reason we get the picture that he was hanging there naked from the Scripture is because this nakedness is being taken on. The curse is being taken on. And he was in want of everything. He took him off the cross. They said, here's the Son of God. Doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Here's the Son of God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Does not even own a parcel of land. And he had to be laid in a borrowed tomb. Let me tell you what. Jesus Christ came and faced the curse for you and me, the curse of poverty, and He took it on with hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of all things. Let me tell you what, He took it on. Why? That Galatians 3, 13 and 14 could be your reality and be my reality where Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He turned it around. He reversed the curse for you and me because He became a curse for us by hanging on the tree for cursed is He who hangs on the tree. Why? Look at verse 14. So that... The blessing, the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, even the Gentiles who have been grafted in, that it might come upon us that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let me tell you what. God wants you to prosper. God has met the curse head on through His Son, Jesus Christ, and reversed the curse for you and me. But not only does He want us to be prospered in the finances and in needs and substance in our life, He wants you to prosper physically as well. He wants you to be in good health. 
He wants healing to flow in your body. He has woven it into every fabric of nature. You can go out and you can chop a limb off of a tree or scrape the bark off of a tree and that tree will, will begin to, to bleed over that area and begin to seal it up just like a scab on a, a wound on a human body. Your little puppy can go out there and cut its paw and you not even know it got its cut its paw and the blood automatically begins to clot. Those cells begin to come together. The bleeding will begin to stop and healing, it releases the antibiotics of the blood to keep the infection away. All of that, and you didn't even know he got cut. Why? Because it was in his creative fabric. It is in the creative nature. God is such a healing God. He's put it in every part of the earth. There was a big tanker. There was a big oil spill. There was an oil well or, or, or whatever it's called out of the Gulf of Mexico, if you remember, here several years ago. And my, the oil was spilling by the hundreds and the thousands and the tens of thousands of gallons. And they go back and they research it now and they're like, where did it go? Where did it go? Let me tell you what, God knew human would make mistakes. He knew that we would get cuts and bruises and breaks, but He put within the fabric of the very creation of this world uh, the ability for it to heal itself and restore itself because that is His nature and all of it was created in His image. I'm here to tell you today that your God does not want you sick. He does not want you to die of a disease. That is not the will of God. That is the plan of the enemy. The enemy wants to take us out. He is trying to get us at every angle that he can but know this greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world know this if the devil comes one way he's got to flee a thousand ways when you stand up in faith and rebuke and resist him in the name that is above every name hallelujah October the 31st just what less than a month ago old smart pastor here gets a new razor that has Quadro blades on one side and a single blade on the other. And, uh, and I picked that thing up and, and, and went to just wipe. I don't, know, I don't know what I was thinking. It happened so fast. And three and a half inches I cut myself from here to here. And some of you uh, saw it, okay? You, at the, if you were at the farm that night, I went there and everybody thought I was dressed up for Halloween. And I was being Frankenstein, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 sorry, don't, don't touch, you know. And uh, I took a picture of it, and I started to put it up on the screen. But that picture did, didn't do me justice. It made me look old. And I said, no, I'm not putting that picture up. We'll, we'll hold that one back until I can maybe get somebody to doctor it up for me, because that one, whoo, when you get up real close and you're not, okay, it can really, y'all laugh, y'all laugh. Let me take your picture up close, and let's see what happens. But nonetheless, look, it's been less than a month. Less than a month. I went to the doctor and the doctor told me, he said, don't get infected. I see some infection, but don't let it get infected and do this, do this, and do this. And, and let me tell you what, there's going to be a big scar there. And I walked away. I didn't tell the doctor this, but when I walked away, I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You speak that over me. I'm not going to receive that. Amen. And it's less than a month. And you can just examine There's no makeup on it. I promise you that. And it, it, praise God. Now, is it because I'm smart? No. Is it because, um, you know, I'm your pastor? No. It's because the creative nature of God is in me just like it's in you. And there's healing in our blood. There's healing in our system. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you and I have experienced enough accidents over life to know that there's healing virtue in us where God just automatically started the healing process. 
Now, there's another place in the Scripture that talks about where we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There is a place for us praying for the sick. We have the healing rooms here every Tuesday night. We have this altar open right now. And you can come for, uh, for us to pray for you around this altar and anoint you with oil and pray for uh, you to be healed. Yes, there's places that we can come together in agreement and pray for healing. But let me, don't you be denied. Don't you be denied that there's also Holy Ghost, Jesus bought healing virtue of the creative order of God in your body. And what you need to do is you need to speak to that and release that. You need to feed that. You need to encourage that. The devil's wanting you to use your tongues and curse yourself and say, well, I just got arthritis. It's just I'm, I'm 50 or 60 and arthritis comes with that age. You, and let you curse yourself. Jesus took the curse off of you. Why are you putting it back on yourself? You need to use your tongue and give life and use your tongue and release blessing and say the healing virtue of Jesus Christ is in me and the power of God is in me and release and encourage and, and by faith let that healing virtue flow through you. Hallelujah. First Peter 2.24, by His stripes you and I, we're healed. By His stripes we were healed. We don't need to live defeated. You say, well I know somebody I loved and they passed away. I've known a lot of people I love and they passed away. But do you think I'm going to give up on the Word of God because we've had some failures? Let me tell you, we're in a war. We're in a war. And when you're in a war, you know, there's casualties. The devil hits you. That's why we need each other. Where we can come and bring our shields of faith together. Come on now. So we don't need to let, because a soldier got taken out uh, in, in war, when a soldier gets taken out, most of the soldiers that survive fight harder. Why do Christians, when a soldier gets taken out with sickness and disease, we give up and surrender? No! I'm calling for the fight in you to rise up and say, wait a minute, I'm still created in the image of God and the healing virtue of Jesus and the nature of God is in me. And Jesus rebuked the curse and reversed the curse and so that I might receive the blessing. Hallelujah, by His strength, I am healed. And we need to rise up and live the fullness of our life. We shouldn't let, we need to fight. Don't let disease take you out. Don't let disease take you out. Do like Moses, when you fulfilled your assignment in full strength, you go to sleep or whatever he did and you just find yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a very, very old but strong, spunky man. Hallelujah. And I'm going to preach one of the best sermons I've ever preached. And I'm going to go home and I can't sleep in the bed because Pastor Rodica said I can't die there. She said, I married a living man. I didn't marry a dead man. Don't you get in that bed and die. So I'll have to get in a chair, a nice comfortable chair and fall asleep. And I've already told her, I said, you're going to be an old beautiful lady at that time because I'm going to be an old handsome man and just sew a blanket over me and call, uh, uh, call 911 to come pick me up. Tell them, well, we need to get this guy moved out of here. But I'm just going to preach the best sermon in strength and in the vigor of the Lord and I'm going to go to sleep. Now, y'all hang around. I want y'all to hang around and see if I don't prove that to be true. Come on, hang around. Hang around. Take, yes, sir. Hang around and let's, let's see if that's not true. That means you gotta, you gotta tap in to the virtue of Christ in you as well. You gotta tap in to the anointing of God in you as well. Hallelujah. I'm gonna take God at His word. Now I know, I know I've lost some very, very dear people to me and that breaks my heart and it just is not right. But we are in a war. Let's don't give up. Let's don't give up because we lost a loved one. Let's fight harder. Let's fight harder. Amen. Don't let the devil get anybody else. 
As a parent, I know I agonize if one of my children gets sick. We get, we don't agonize. I get angry, don't I? Lord, watch them shake their head. I'm like, they're like, oh, this. I said, no, we don't. They're like, whoa. I said, we don't want down. We don't receive that in this house. No, I'm well, I think I got the flu. No, flu got to go right now. Open door. Get it out of here. In the name of Jesus, I come against it with the blood, a word of God. And you know, God sent his word and healed us of our diseases. This word's going to run that flu out of the door. You ain't coming into my house. And the kids now, they're like, whoa, daddy's serious about this. But now I notice them. They're like, whoa, go. You got to go in the name of Jesus. And they started doing the same thing. Praise God. Parents agonize if your children get sick. And God's no different. Did you ever read Isaiah 63, verse 9? It says, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. Man, it afflicted God when his children came under affliction. And if you'll read the rest of that uh, verse in, in, in verse 10 as well, he said he went on to rescue them, redeem them, save them, and carry them. Hallelujah. So when they came under afflictions, God says it afflicted him, but he stepped in and did something about it. He rescued them. He saved them. He redeemed them. And He carried them through. I'm here to tell you, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and has given us yet even a better covenant in and through Jesus Christ, our High Priest. And we need to start acknowledging and celebrating it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He's a loving Father who desires above all things that you will prosper and that you'll be in health and that your soul will prosper. He wants your soul to prosper. He wants that part of you that is not seen to prosper as well. Hallelujah. The real you. The real me. The, the part that is nobody else sees, He wants that to prosper too. That stuff that goes on in your head, that stuff that goes on in your heart, and that stuff that's going to go on for eternity, He wants that to be blessed above all things as well. He doesn't want you to put a smile on your face and suffer in silence. He don't want you to put a smile on your face as though you're free living in bondage in secret. He wants you free in every area. He wants you to prosper in every area. Hallelujah. That's the threefold desire that God has towards us. But, as said, there was a fivefold above all things in the New Testament. So what we're going to do is see these last two are our responsibility. These three God has given to us and desires for us and He's praying for us. But now how do we participate in this? We have a responsibility. And that first one that we're going to look at comes from Ephesians 10 or Ephesians 6. And this he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We got to realize we're in a conflict. You got to realize we're in a spiritual conflict. We have an adversary. He's telling us this. And it's not the person in front of you that is coming against you. It is the spirit that is using them to come against you. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And he tells us we need to put on the whole armor of God because we're in this warfare, okay? But he goes on in verse 14 and says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look at verse 16. Above all, there's our above all, this is our responsibility. What are we to do? Above all, take the shield of faith 
which you're able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always in the Spirit, in all prayer and supplication, in the Spirit. Okay, so above all, our responsibility is that we have to take up the shield of faith. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be in health. And God wants your soul to prosper. And now that's above all. His part, but above all, our part is to participate in this. we got to take up the shield of faith. we got to be a people of faith. That's why I commend you being here today. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. So you are having your faith energized, your faith challenged, your faith taught, your faith spoken to, your faith called to front and center, your faith called to stand and salute. Your faith is being raised up right now at the preaching of the Word of God as you hear the Word of God so that you are able to take up, above all, the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I'm telling you, the devil has not given up. The Bible actually says in the latter days he will intensify. He will cause even greater confusion and harm in this earth. 1 Peter 5 and 8, the Bible says, Be sober. You need to get off that alcohol. You need to get off that drugs. Need to get off that stuff. Sober up. Sober up. Face reality. Not with the numbness and not with a, a sense of carelessness. You need to be a, alert and you need to be vigilant because your adversary is trying to kill you. He's trying to put sickness and disease on you. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to destroy your family. He's trying to destroy your relationship. He's trying to destroy your peace of mind. The devil is at work. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But look at what God says. If you're going to be blessed and prosper above all things and you're going to be in health above all things and you're gonna, your soul's going to prosper above all things, what did he say? Above all, we got to take up the shield of faith. Look at there. Resist him steadfast how in the faith how do we resist the devil in the faith it's going to take us exercising our faith it's going to take us exercising the word of god on our behalf hallelujah so you don't have to be this the ground meat of the next meal for the devil you and i can come through this victorious. We can come through this life on top. We can come through this life ahead. We can be the head and not the tail, as the Word of God declares. But we got to build up our faith. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 is so, so clear that we must hear the Word of God. How do you hear the Word of God? Through the preaching of the Word. How do you hear the Word of God? By reading the Word. Read it out loud to yourself. Listen to it out loud. You also need to meditate on the Word. Now, what does meditate mean? Well, it's an old Hebrew word that means ruminate. It's a Hebrew word, ruminate. And what does ruminate mean? Well, a picture of rumination is how a cow is created by God with several stomachs and how he will take in the grass and then that will go in one stomach, but then he will regurgitate it, bring it back up, and then he will chew on it and it will go and be broken down to go into the second stomach as it got cooked in the juices in the first stomach so that it could be chewed and broken down to get the nutritional values that can turn green grass into white milk. No, that's not true, but it does happen that way. 
And as they ruminate uh, over this, that's the word, meditate. And God told Joshua, you meditate on my word. You meditate on my word and you will find success in, in everywhere you go and everything that you do. Because as you meditate on the word of God, it's going to build your faith. Now, meditating for Joshua and for us through the Bible means that we speak this word of God to ourselves. It's self-talk. Self-talk. So we keep bringing the word back up and we keep saying it and it goes back in. And then as we go through life, we're like, wait, this word applies here. And we speak it back and we meditate on the word of God. So when people hear you talking to yourself, you're not crazy. You're meditating on the word of God. You're speaking it to yourself. And as you speak it to yourself out loud, you hear it. And as you hear it, your faith grows. That's why you need to sanctify your tongue. That's why you need to put your tongue on the altar. One lady says, Pastor, I'm going to bring, put my tongue on the altar. He says, I'm sorry, ma'am, our altar's not big enough. <laughs> we got to sanctify. I shouldn't say that about women. I should say that about men. Because you women are going to get mad at me, okay? That's how I heard it, and I'm just going to try. Men as well, amen. Okay, but what we need to do is sanctify our tongue. See, we tell half-truths. We fudge with our tongue. We hear ourselves say, Oh, uh, uh, honey, that only cost $10.99, when really it was $20.99, and you just fudge in a little because you don't want to get them upset that you spent $20.99, and you think it's a white lie. What is a white lie? A white lie is nothing but a whitewashed, dirty lie. Okay? It's still a lie. It's a lie. And Revelation 21.8 says all liars will be friars. Isn't it? That's what the shorter version of Revelation 21.8 says. So as you speak untruth or fudging or white lies or, or exaggerations, your ear says, I can't trust what he says. I can't trust what he says. And that may seem okay getting you by in life, but now when you need to say the word and believe the word so that your faith can rise up in the circumstance and overcome. We overcome, he says, steadfast in the faith. Resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. Go back to the other verse of Scripture, please. And there it is right there for you. It says, go, uh, for us to be steadfast, be sober, be vigilant. This devil, he's after you. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. How do you bring your faith to that point of the fight? You speak it. And as you speak it with mouth that has not been speaking truth in business, and not been speaking truth in relationship, you're not going to believe and trust the word coming out of your lip and it's a trick of the devil and you'll find the enemy will steamroll you. What we need to do is know that our tongue, as small as it is, it's like a rudder on a ship. It's like a small spark that can light a forest fire. It's like a bridle put in the mouth of a horse. It is that important and it has the power of life and death and blessing and curses. We need to sanctify our tongues and say, God, God, I give you my speech. I give you my words. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness of this tongue so that now I can speak forth truth and I can speak forth your word and I can speak forth faith so that I can hear it and I can believe it and I can stand strong in the moment and resist the devil. Hallelujah. Does that make sense to anybody? When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan came to him three times and he tempts him first to try and doubt. If you're the Son of God, if, if, if you're the Son of God, turn the stone into bread. He tried to get Jesus to doubt. The devil will come and try to get you to doubt. What did Jesus do? Did he think the word? No, he said. He said, the word says, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He rebuked the devil. His faith was made steadfast as he spoke the word against this roaring lion that was trying to trick him up. Second place he came in, the devil came in and twisted the scriptures. Believe you me, the devil knows the Bible better than you. You say, well, I got a theological degree. He knows the He was there when Isaiah was writing Isaiah. He was around, come on now, when Moses was writing the Pentateuch. Come on now. So you think you're going to, you don't want to get out of the word and get into a conversation with the devil. When the devil came and tried to twist the scripture, throw yourself down and the angels will come and lift you up. Jesus rebuked him again with the word of God that we shouldn't tempt the Lord our God, right? And then the third one he came in, he's basically, take the shortcut. We all want the shortcut. Take the shortcut. Just bow down. I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the kingdom that you can see. And the, Jesus, again, rebukes him with the word and says, you only worship God and him alone. And that's who I'm worshiping, my father, no one else. And, uh, and, and then he rebuked the devil and the devil left him. Resist the devil. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You need the word. Your faith needs the word. This is, we're wrapping up a year and going into a new year. You need to be on a word calendar where you're reading the word, meditating on the word, speaking the word. It's better to get one verse and get it applied in your life in faith than it is to take a whole uh, uh, 30 chapters of the Bible and not know what you just read and make no sense of it. You've got to meditate on that word until it becomes rhema, it becomes real, it becomes, it becomes life to you. Hallelujah. And, and that's what you, need, you and I need to do so that we can put up the shield of faith, above all things the shield of faith, and, and we can speak forth the word of God so that our faith will help us hold that shield up. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. They're mighty through God. God has given them to us so that we can cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We can bring every thought into captivity through the obedience of Christ. So the battleground of the ages is in the human mind. It's right there between your ears. And the devil's trying to bring thought and suggestion and doubt and temptation. But the Word of God contradicts that. The Word of God writes what is wrong. The Word of God is light and exposes the works and the lies of darkness. Thank God Christian Embassy is committed to being a Word Central Church. That we're going to love the Word of God. And we're going to preach the Word of God. They say millennials don't like the Word of God. I know millennials who love the Word of God. They say, you know, uh, baby boomers don't like the Word of God. I know baby boomers who love the Word of God. They say Generation X don't like the Word of God. You know what? The devil is a liar. I know a lot of Generation X that love the Word of God. And I know little kids that are growing up right now and they love the Word of God too. And you and I better not back off of the word like the devil's tempting us to we need to go strong in the word of God hallelujah praise God for his word amen amen so let us go forward and never underestimate the power of our words there's death and life in our tongue praise God so speak life over your marriage speak life over your body speak life over your health I was just talking to a family member this uh, past week and they said, well, I went to the doctor and the doctor says I've got high blood pressure and the doctor says I've got diabetes and the doctor says I've got arthritis and, the doc- and they started listening and I said, okay, let, oh, I hear all that, I hear all that and I really care. I care enough to say, I ask you this question, what does God say? What does God say? And they said, what do you mean? 
I said, are you just going to receive what the doctors... The doctors, they're good people. They're just telling you what they see so that you can know what to fight against. Come on now. So now what? Let's, let's fight against it. What does God say? And then I began to, to go over the, what the Word of God says. And they're like, wow, you know, I already feel better. By the time I hung up, they said, I already feel better. I already feel better. I don't know if I'm going back to the doctor. I said, Lord, I didn't tell you to do that now. You go back. If, if, if you don't need that medication, let them wean you off of it. But you know, I'm not telling you that now. I'm just telling you there's another voice you need to be listening to. There's a higher counsel that we can have, and that is the Word of God and the will of God, and we need to have that superimposed over our lives and not just live with what we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we'll try to wrap things up here with uh, uh, Colossians 3, 12 and 14, through 14. This last above all things. This is our responsibility. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, and humility, and meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also forgive them. But above all things, this is the fifth above all things, the above all things, put on love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Hallelujah. So in this vertical relationship with God, God says, above all things, I want you to uh, prosper. Above all things, I want you to be in health. Above all things, I want your soul to prosper. That's the vertical. But the horizontal, he says, walk in it out. You and I got to put on, we got to put on faith. We got to take up the shield of faith above all things, right? Take up the shield of faith and we got to put on love. We got to put on love. That's our responsibility. And in this text, he's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about forgiveness. One of the greatest acts of love is what Jesus did on the cross when He looked 2,000 years ahead and He saw your sin and He saw my sin. And He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No, No greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friend. I'm telling you, there on that cross, Jesus showed us what true love is. And He has not showed that to us just so that we can put it in a trophy case somewhere and and, and gawk at it and gaze at it and admire it. He said, what you've seen me do, I've called you to do. And if I could do it in the greatest pain man could ever experience hanging on a cruel, rugged cross, you can do it through the pain of what you're going through because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. The people that the devil's trying to get you to hold unforgiveness towards, it wasn't them. It was the devil behind that. It was a spirit, a demonic spirit behind that. And the enemy just used the people closest to you who had a weakness that he could use to bring great pain in your life. We must put on love. Do you know Galatians 5 and 6 says, Faith works through what? So you say, well, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. I believe in faith and I claim the word of God and I, in the name of Jesus. All of that sounds good. But it's going to fall short. Like a, like a wet balloon, it's going to fall short if it's not done through love. If you've got unforgiveness, you're harboring resentment, holding on to bitterness. All that faith looks good. 
but it doesn't have an effect. That shield has openings in it, and the enemy's getting fiery darts through. God doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you above all things to take up that shield of faith, but you got to do it through love. I had a friend, I have a friend, and one time he was doing one of those silly things that we guys like to do sometimes, waste money. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> and he got this truck, and he wanted to re the engine in it wasn't big enough for him. The tires on it wasn't big enough for him. The lift suspension wasn't high enough for him. So he poured a whole lot of money in it, puts big tires on it, lift kit on it, and he's building this engine, and he's investing a lot of money in this big V8 as he's building it. He's working side jobs, and he's working on the weekend, and he's doing everything that he can, taking every Christmas bonus, every, every birthday gift, anything he could, and he's pouring it into this truck, building that engine. And it came the day for the great reveal, and some of the family and some of his friends, they all gathered around there as, as he's getting ready to, to reveal his masterpiece. And he jumps in there and turns the key and, and that thing cranks right up and he just revs the engine because the muffler system or the lack thereof, he wanted them to hear it and feel it as well. And he just revs the engine up and all of a sudden there's some metal sounds and there's a shutdown and there's smoke coming out. And everybody's in shock. What happened? What happened? He was in shock. An investigation found out he forgot to put five quarts of oil in it. Forgot to put the oil in it. A few dollars set him back thousands. Love is the oil that lubricates the motor of faith. Love is the oil that lubricates the motor of faith. And you can build up your faith as a mighty engine, lift it up and ready four-wheel drive to go through anything. But if it is not run with love, it's going to blow up and destruction will come. Above all things, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be in health. And God wants your soul to prosper. And above all things, He is calling you and me to take up the shield of faith, but to take it up in love. Is there anybody you need to forgive today? Is there anybody you need to release today? You've taken offense. You've made it up in your mind and the devil's helped you write the narrative of how they so purposely hurt you. In their weakness and in their lack of knowledge, the enemy came in. It was the roaring lion. It was the devil. And now he's tricked you to fight with flesh and blood and you're holding forgiveness so you have no love. And God says, if you fail, Jesus says, if you fail for, to forgive them, my father's going to fail to forgive you. Because the way we set this up, Jesus is teaching us this, the way we set this up is faith has to operate through love. Father, we just bow our hearts before you. Show us, Holy Spirit. Show us in this moment. Is there anyone, any circumstance or situation in our life that is holding us captive because of unforgiveness or because of bitterness or because of an offense that we're holding on to. Show us, Lord. Show us our destiny is at stake here. 
Lord, I know you want us to prosper and I know you want me to be in health and I know, God, you want me to have my spiritual life so blessed. And I I believe I need to take on the shield of faith, but God, this love thing, help me with it. Help me with it, Lord. Help me to forgive them. Help me to release them. Help me to bless them. Instead of curse them, to bless them. Help me today, God, to right this wrong so above all things I can take up the shield of faith working through love and see the results of heaven on earth in my life. Show me their face. Lord, I'm ready to forgive them. I'm ready to release them. Just show them to me, Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Lord, we stand in your place. We stand in this place. And Lord, I know how the devil works. And he's worked through people closest to us. They may not be close to us anymore, but at that time, they were close to us. We let them close. And they had a shortcoming. They had a weakness. And the devil took advantage of them that by and through them he took advantage of me and Lord I've been holding on to that Lord I've been weighed down by that I buried it and thought it was all dealt with but I see by your spirit I need to deal with it now I want you this morning as an act of faith to take that person and that circumstance and situation and I want you to bring it to this altar And I want you to come up here and say, God, I'm giving this situation to you. By me stepping forward, God, I'm saying I forgive them. I am releasing them. I am not letting this circumstance hold me back anymore. Lord, I'm taking above all things love, love with the shield of faith. Lord, I'm aligning myself with your word. You're a generous God. You're a good God. You've already forgiven me, Lord God, but I refuse to carry that anymore. So by as an act of faith, I'm coming. I'm coming. Just come on up now. Come on up now. And just say, Lord, I bring this. I bring this circumstance. I bring this situation. I bring, I'm not carrying it anymore. I'm not trying to figure it out anymore. I'm not trying to work it through anymore. Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm releasing them to you. Lord, I'm releasing them to you, Lord. I don't want to go into this season of generosity where you, above all things, want me to be so blessed and me refuse to walk in those blessings because I refuse to let this go. Lord, I'm putting the oil in my engine of faith right now. I'm letting your anointing come and help me release these people, Lord. Lord, it's been such a part of my my story that I need your help, God. Help me release them and not not recount and not talk about and not bring it back up, but, God, but, but to release it. To release it, Lord. I release them. It may have been your mother. It may have been your father. It may have been a best friend. It may have been a business partner. It may have been a spouse. May have been, may have been your, uh, you may have been your children. Whatever the circumstance, whoever it was, say, God, I bring them to you today. Lord, I'm laying them here at your feet. And God, I say, you come in and you do your perfect will in this situation, but I'm not holding them bondage anymore. I'm not allowing this to hold me or keep me out of the fullness of what you've got. I give them to you now, Lord.
And now I pray, God, that your healing virtue would begin to flow into every heart and every mind. Because, Lord, this has been such a part of us as we rip it out and lay it on this altar. There's still pain. There's still pain in our heart. So, God, I pray, the God of healing virtue, that you would begin to cause that area to begin to heal right now. Lord, immediately when the body is cut, it goes into the healing mode. Now, immediately as this thing is ripped out, let healing begin to flow into that heart and into that mind and into that soul. Let healing flow. Let the virtue of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the kindness and His mercy, His tender mercy flow. Lord, bring healing. Bring healing to each and every one. In the name of Jesus, healing, Lord God. I don't know the circumstances, but I know it was painful. I know what they're dealing with on this altar, Lord God, with somebody that brought great pain into their life. But now you're going to bring great healing, God. Healing in the heart. I forgive. I forgive that person. Yes, Lord. Have your perfect work here. Work upon us. Work in us. Work through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Now, Lord God, you said that you would turn our morning into dancing. Hallelujah. Great joy. Our night into day. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, now I pray that you would fill that spot where that thing had taken up so much space. I pray that you would fill it with your joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray you would fill it, Lord God, with peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray for a miracle of heaven to manifest in every heart and mind here at this altar this morning, Lord God. And fill us, God, with joy. Fill us with gladness, Lord God. Fill us with cheer, Lord God. Fill us with anticipation and expectation of greater days and greater things and a greater week that we're going into, Lord God. And I pray, God, that you would raise them up, God, uh, with a spring in their step that they're ready to dance going forward uh, because of what you're doing and because of what you've done and because of what you've said and because now we can participate with above all taking our shield of faith and above all our love and together they can bring us victoriously through any battle on this earth so that above all your healing and your prosperity and our soul prospering can be manifest that hallelujah raise up these oaks of righteousness I pray God a planting of you for the display of your favor Lord I pray your favor would be seen upon them this week like they've not seen in a long long time Lord God let your goodness and your mercy hang on them this week like they've not recognized in a long long time Lord God is their faith and their love working together resisting the devil and rebuking the enemy and releasing the favor and the blessings of God let them go forth rejoicing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Hallelujah! Amen.